Well, the Mets might very well be as dead as the Islanders at this point as they are three games back at this very moment, midnight, uh, essentially, on uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, Six games to play, and Tim Britton. And look, this is what they deserve. They've been a bad team all year, even with the expanded NL playoffs. Fine, they've played some exciting games, but it it's never really been good baseball from this Mets team all year. They haven't put it together in any way, shape, or form. The pitching is terrible, besides Jacob deGrom and, and maybe Seth Lugo, depending on what role he is in. But it's it's just been a, a frustrating year and watching a bad team hang around for way longer than they ever deserved. Yeah, as, as summer turns into autumn, um, I think officially, right? Not right now, as we go into Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, this is the end of the, the abbreviated New York summer, really, with the Mets. You know, you look at it, and it's the thing that amazes me is, like, in a 60, this season's going to be 66 games. Like, they, they've basically never been in playoff position. They've been in the second half of the National League the whole season. It's not like it's been kind of this flowing up and down. It's like they've been, you know, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, pretty much every day of the year. I think they've been in playoff position uh, like four days of, this, of the season so far, and none, uh, I think the last one was, was in like the last, you know, late to mid, mid to late August. Uh, so it's just been, you know, a team that has never won more than three games in a row, uh, has never put together really, and, and I think you, you – attribute that to the lack of consistent quality starting pitching. Uh, although, of course, you look at the last three days and they've gotten great starting pitching and they've only won one of those games. Uh, so it's, it's an offense that has been really good but hasn't performed the way it's, sh- you know, it, they haven't scored as many runs as their kind of performance suggests they should because they haven't been good with burns in scoring position. Uh, the defense is still subpar. Uh, the bullpen is still you know, it's, it's middle of the road. It's not really a strength or a weakness. Uh, and outside of Jacob DeGrom, you just haven't gotten consistent starting pitching. So you look at this, you look at there, there are elements of this team that make you think this should be not just a playoff team, but like a, a contender in the national league. You mm. look at this team compared to aspects of the Braves and talent wise, it doesn't seem like there's a huge gap, especially with the way some guys in Atlanta have oh. played this year with the way their rotation has gone. Uh, and yet, they're, it's an enormous gap. Whenever they meet, it's a, it's a big gap in the standings. The lineup is totally different. The athleticism of the Braves is the, off the charts yes. compared to the Mets. And they have had pitchers come up and have some su- success and, and fill those spots that you thought <laughs> might hurt the Braves. Yeah, I, I think the thing that, that is, always gets underrated when we talk about Atlanta uh, and coming into the season, I, I thought this was why I still liked them to win the division is just how good their defense is because mm-hmm. you've got in, you know, Ronald Acuna is, I guess he's played more center than right this year because of the way Duvall's emerged, but he was a center fielder playing right. Uh, Marcakis was a plus defender. Duvall is actually a guy who, I, I, did he win a gold glove? I always get him and Corey Dickerson confused because either both of them won a gold glove or, or, or just Dickerson, like a better defender than you think given his, his style of play. Uh, and then on the infield, you know, the, Albies and, and, and Swanson are really our plus defenders up the middle. So it's just a, a team that, you know, you look at a game like the Mets played Monday where these, there, there are all these little things that cost them, like in that second inning, like DeGrom just misses with a 3-2 pitch for a leadoff walk. 
and the Mets don't execute a relay throw that could have gotten them a free out at third. They don't execute uh, a throw on a stolen base that could have gotten them another out at third. Uh, there were just a, a couple different things in the game, just these, these minuscule things that that's what separates good teams in, in, in a, a baseball season, and they just haven't done them really at any point this year. Yeah, it's great when you can club uh, four home runs and win 16 to one, and then those little things don't matter. But as we know, in a 60 game season, that happens, what, two, maybe three times, even for the best teams. So you, you have to find a way to win those close games, and the Mets haven't been particularly good in those situations. But if we kind of narrow this to just the last few days here. You know, Saturday seemed like a pivotal day that. David Peterson goes out and strikes out 10, sets a career high after the Mets have gone three straight games. So anybody getting out of the third inning from their starting staff, whether it be injury or ineffectiveness. And David Peterson, the rookie, gets in this big start. They have a chance to take two of three from Atlanta on Sunday. And that felt like a necessity. They didn't get it done. They lose Monday as well. But I I really thought Saturday is like, all right, if they're going to put it together, and, and this is the problem with all these teams making the playoffs, is you never really unplug all the way because it really just takes one five-game winning streak and you're right there. But as you mentioned earlier, they, they've never won more than three. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there, there are a lot of fans who, anytime I, I tweet anything or write anything about kind of where they are in playoff positioning – have said really for, for weeks now dating back, like, oh, why, why are we even talking about this? They're out of it. Uh, and then you look at, at what the Reds have done in the last seven to 10 days. You know, Cincinnati was behind, you know, they've been behind the Mets most of the season. You know, like 10, 10 days ago, the Mets were the 11th place team in the, the NL and the, the Reds were 12th. Uh, and now the Reds, they win six or seven in a row. They play good baseball. They put it together for a week. Uh, and they're right there mm-hmm. now in the, the playoff hunt. Uh, and as a team that, that might be a little scary in a postseason series with their pitching. Uh, so it's just, you know, the, I, I would have expected that at some point in this season, even when we got through the first month and the Mets couldn't put together a real winning streak, that, you know, that wouldn't have lasted another full month. That I thought at some point we were going to see this team get a good full rotation, uh, a f- good five starts through the rotation, win five in a row, win six in a row, bash their way to a couple wins in a row with their offense. And it just hasn't happened at any point. Well, if the playoffs aren't a possibility for the Mets, is a third straight Cy Young for Jacob deGrom and what could be a big return for the Mets. That coming up in a moment. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just kind of brush it off, blame ourselves, saying things like, eh, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work or, Sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. It's the whiskey. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It is simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Mets and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there is Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. 
Go to GetRoman.com slash Mets today. And if approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash Mets. GetRoman.com slash Mets. Jacob DeGromp, <laughs> you can't blame any of this on him. 14 strikeouts against the Rays on Monday. He dominates, and it's that kind of same old Jacob DeGrom start where they lose two to one. The ERA is is pretty good when you look at the NL. If you look at war, he factors in very favorably to some of the other NL pitchers. It, it doesn't feel like it's his award for a third straight year. But what what are your thoughts? If you had the NL Cy Young Award vote, which for all I know that you do, Tim, um, what are you looking at right now? Yeah, it's a really convoluted race um, because, you know, you, it, it, in the same way that like, you know, the, the race for the wild card is jumbled because, oh, there's just not enough games to really make meaningful distinctions between a bunch of teams. That's, you know, doubly true for pitchers who, are only made, who have only made 10, 11, 12 starts at this point in the season. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's DeGrom had the ERA, it's, I believe, fifth in the National League at this point at 2-1-4. Uh, some of the guys ahead of him have not thrown as many innings. Uh, I think Trevor Bauer is the one guy ahead of him who's thrown more innings than DeGrom and, and will probably is, is almost certain to finish with more innings this season than DeGrom. Uh, and then you've got some guys who are just a little bit behind him, uh, like you, Darvish, who have thrown a, a fair – you know, Darvish has – uh, I think a, a six or seven inning lead, I guess six innings on, on DeGrom right now with a barely higher ERA. Um, you know, DeGrom leads in, in the National League in strikeouts. You know, I, I think he was probably the front runner until that start in Philadelphia because, I mean, he had the, the league lead in, in ERA at that point and the innings were right up there with anyone, but he, long, he gave up a couple runs and only went two. I think that's what hurt him. Uh, is, you know, I'm, I'm a big guy on innings. So if if he's back down there with, with fewer innings than than Darvish and Bauer, but also Freed and Corbin Burns uh, and those guys with sub two ERAs, uh, and they're right there with fifty five or sixty innings at this point. Uh, it becomes a little tougher to to put him ahead of them at that point. You're hoping uh, it's so, on name value, kind of to some degree now, right? You know, it's uh, I, I think if it if it were like a you know tie goes to the runner situation you, the tie kind of goes probably to the guy who's won it the last two years especially if it's with one of those younger pitchers with less of a track record uh you know if, if it's really tight between him and max freed or really tight between him and corbin burns or dindleson dindleson lamette uh there's there is that name recognition there there's the idea that okay this guy's done it for three years and not two months um but at the same time, you're judging it based off of just the 2020 season. Certainly, no Mets fan would have loved if if people in 2018 were like, "Well, Scherzer's done it a little bit longer. Let's let's give it to him uh, instead of Degrom." So I, I don't think he's out of it. I think there was a sense from the fan base that after that start in Philly that that he was out of it. Uh, you know, certainly he helped his case again on on Monday night, and we'll see what he can do on Saturday in his last start. So I think I think it's still tight. There, it's there's probably you look at that that war leaderboard in the national league, there's probably still five or six guys who are legitimate candidates to win the award, uh, which is not what you're usually, you know, usually when I'm voting in the last week and looking at it, uh, I, you know, it's down to, to, to one or two guys by, by now. Well, he only has one loss, Tim. 
I know. Well, Max Fried has none. The Braves haven't lost a single one of his starts, okay. uh, which is, and, and to be fair, uh, team record is not something that uh, I'm going to comment <laughs> in Jacob deGrom's favor uh, after how the last two years have gone for him. That was more what I was going for. Well, you bring up a good point about Max Fried. Uh, all right. And, and then the other aspect, this is something that we will spend oodles of time uh, over the next few weeks and months, more than likely. But when, it, I guess still if, uh, Steve Cohen takes over as the owner of the New York Mets, there's this decision to make on Brody Van Wagenen. I, I think on merit, Brody Van Wagenen deserves to be gone. But there's a time frame of all this. If Steve Cohen takes over late October, early November, maybe there's a thought you keep that continuity in the front office and then you can make your change mid-2021 if things are not going well. It's kind of tough to bring in a whole new front office to bring in the kind of talent that you want at that point in time. But then now Sandy Alderson's name has popped up in various reports as someone that the Mets could bring in as he wouldn't be the general manager. He'd be a step above that, around that, over a little bit. But at the very least, he could guide you for a period of time. So what is your sense at this moment as to what the future is for this Mets front office if, if we do indeed get this ownership change that seems to be just a month or two away? Yeah, I, I think with kind of the expedited timeline that we're hearing that, that this approval process could go in effect before, you know, usually it's, it's around the general manager's meetings and there's owner's meetings in November, but I, I know the GM meetings aren't happening. I don't, I don't think the owner's meetings are happening in person the way they usually do. Mm-hmm. That would be when you would expect the approval process to happen. Uh, I think it might happen now before that because of everything going on that you might have uh, Steve Cohen approved by the end of October rather than into November. And obviously that allows him, if he wanted to change things in the front office, to do so more in preparation for this offseason than next. And I think the fact that he's been in the organization as a minority owner helps him have more of a a firm grasp for how things are run in the organization. He probably has more of an opinion on Brody Van Wagenen as a general manager than he might have uh, if he were coming from outside the organization entirely at this point. Uh, I think Alderson is an interesting guy to bring back into the fold. Uh, I don't know exactly what role they're looking at him for, um, but whether it's a a senior advisor or a a president or something, we know Sandy's had those types of roles in other front offices in the past in San Diego and and even in Oakland when he first started there. Uh, So I think, you know, you're starting to get a sense for how Cohen might run things. Uh, I think the quote to Joel Sherman of the post was that he wants his ba- wants baseball people to run the baseball operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a good sign. That's, that's, it's, you know, a logical thing. That's not always been the case. Uh, it's in- not going to be you, Tim. I'm sorry. So I know, I know. I, I Maybe still, you're a baseball person now. You, you've been covering the game for a while. Still, you- ha- still haven't gotten a call for a GM <laughs> opening yet. And I've been covering baseball for 10 years. So who knows at this point? Uh, I'll tell you what, nobody, and I'm not saying it's to blow smoke, but nobody really previews an off season and moves could be made quite like you do. I mean, you get into the nitty gritty and the, uh, the, the columns and stories you write in the athletic. I give you a lot of credit for that. I mean, this is not just like, you know, Hey, sign this guy because you drove in a bunch of runs. Like you, you get into it. I'd be curious what you could do. Although you did try to do it virtually this year and it was a disaster. So now oh, I'm second I know. guessing. Yeah. Like, like the, the, 
Sim, the sim team did terribly. My fantasy teams always do terribly. If you go back and read some of the things I've suggested in the past, some of those those avenues were maybe not the best idea. But you know, which uh, doesn't like any, eliminate you from being a major league baseball like, general manager. Like like any good executive, I look back on it and I figure out what I can learn from it. So <laughs> there you go. Well, I'll I'll say this: we had Sandy Alderson on the show, so if Sandy is to rejoin the organization and. I'm I'm pretty sure he had no idea that this would ever be a possibility. You want a pretty open and honest Sandy Alderson. You go back May 26th, May 28th, two-part interviews with Sandy. And, and here, I mean, look, if you're a Mets fan, it was really interesting nonetheless uh, hearing him talk about all those years, certain moves that he made, didn't make, uh, what he blames for the, the lack of a World Series title in, in 2015. But now it, it kind of takes on a a little added importance. You can go back into our archives and, uh, and check that out. But we'll be looking into the future of this Mets team for, for quite some time here because the, the present's not looking all that great. Uh, but we'll talk again on Friday morning, uh, Mr. Tim Britton. See you then. Autumn is here. Adios, Pete. <laughs>